0: We know that David authored so many psalms, he may have authored this one. There is some disagreement among commentators as to who authored this psalm. Uh, No one is directly given credit here, and I think that serves us well. There are different circumstances that commentators believe are behind this psalm, and of course it is conjecture on everyone's part to try to determine that. And again, I think that serves us well because I think we find in this psalm something that uh, all of us deal with and all of us are struggling with in our lives today. And as we look at the prospect of a new year, especially in light of the problems of previous years, uh, we have a tendency uh, to lose hope. In fact, I believe we, we live in a nation where hope is a commodity that is becoming more difficult to find. And we need hope today. And I'm thankful that we have hope. Our hope is in Christ, the God who never changes, the one that nothing ever can or ever will overcome. Our choir sang so wonderfully about him. You have sung as a congregation concerning the fact that our hope is in the Lord this morning. And the psalmist points us this direction in Psalm 43, and I hope you'll look with me there. We begin in verse 1. We'll read through the fifth verse that will conclude the psalm. And so note, note with me as we read together. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come once again to your word and we pray that this book, the book of God, would speak to us that your spirit would open our ears, that we would hear what you have to say to us, that our hearts would be open, that we would respond in obedience. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Notice the phrase we find in verse number five, after the psalmist asks the question, why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? He answers himself. By the way, do you ever answer yourself? Well, here he's speaking to himself. But he's involved not only in a conversation with himself, but he's involved in a conversation between he and the Lord. And it is as if God is speaking to him, and as God is speaking to him, he is speaking to himself. And this is what he says to himself. Hope in God. That's the subject of the message this morning. I hope you'll write it down, hope in God, hope in God. As we enter 2023, there are a lot of things that uh, have the potential to cause us to despair, right? Crime is on the rise, contention and strife, division. Uh, There is disease in our land. There are economic concerns, political unrest throughout the world, and many, many personal uh, struggles that we all deal with on top of those things. It seems as if righteousness and truth are also in short supply, and therefore hope is in short supply. But I want to encourage you as we enter into 2023 that we would set our hope in God. In this passage, we're introduced to a man who lost hope. And throughout the majority of the psalm, we're going to hear the groanings of the one who has fallen into the pit of despair. Have you ever been there, by the way? And we hear his pitiful cries for deliverance. And then finally, we hear a proclamation of faith coming from a man with renewed hope. Just in five short verses. But how did he move from the pit of despair to the peak of deliverance? That's the question. How did he get there? Well, the truth is, as we look at what happens, his circumstances don't really change. And by the way, your circumstances may not change, the world's circumstances may not change. But our perspective certainly can, and we can live not in the pit of despair, but we can live on the peak of hope this year, and I'm praying that God will help us to do that. Now, hope is a strange thing. It's developed in the dark. I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 8, would you please? Romans chapter 8, we'll begin reading there in verse 22. Hope is developed in the dark. Those of you who used to have to take your film... Somewhere to get it developed, know that the developer always developed the film in the dark. Well, hope like film, <clears throat> excuse me, hope like film is developed in the dark. Romans chapter 8 and verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. That's a picture of our world, isn't it? The whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain. That's what sin brought to this world. Travail, groaning, pain. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also. This is not just the people who don't know God who are in the world, but also those of us who do know God who are living in this world. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. We're waiting for a better day. A day when we won't struggle with ourself, with our emotions, with our doubts, with the temptations to sin. A day when we'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. Verse 24 For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. It's easy to hope when you can see the evidence of hope right before you. In other words, when things are going great in your life, in the way that we think they're going great, when we're comfortable, when we're satisfied, when we have an abundance of things, when nobody's mad at us, and we're not mad at anyone else. When it seems like everything is well, and we can see things in front of us, then that's not really hope. Paul goes on to say in verse 24, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? If it's reality, there's no reason to hope for it. Verse 25, but if we hope for that, we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Now, I didn't point this out, but in verse 5 of Psalm 43, when when the psalmist says hope in God, that word hope means to wait, to wait, to wait patiently with expectancy, with hope. There are people in this room, people in our church who are dealing with great difficulties, and, and nothing will be right, let me say this, nothing will be right until those difficulties are passed. Those of you who have lived those difficulties understand that. And they're just waiting for the storm to pass, but still yet it hasn't passed. What are they doing? They're waiting, they're hoping. And hope is something that is developed in the dark. Again, in Romans, if you'll turn back a few pages to Romans chapter 5, And verse number one, hope is something that is particularly uh, peculiar to those who know Christ. If we don't know Christ, we really don't have hope. And Paul addresses that here again in Romans five and verse one, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Those who know God rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Now, wait a minute. (laughs) I like that part that says that we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you like that part? I'm not so sure I like this part, but we glory in tribulations also. I mean, I, I haven't met anybody that's going, man, I just can't wait for the next problem to come down the street. <laughs> I can't wait uh, until there's a problem in my family. I can't wait until the doctor tells me I have some disease. I can't wait till I lose my job or I have some financial hardship. Uh, that, that's not something we would normally say. But the Apostle Paul teaches us that we can glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Trouble, trials that come to us cause us to develop patience because we can't change things. We just simply have to endure them. And patience, experience. You see, as we endure things and as we see God deliver us and faithfully uh, uh, help us, as we see God's grace shed upon us in the midst of those difficulties, well, then that builds experience. That's why an older person can say to a younger person, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. The reason they can say that to you, young person, is because they've been through it. And they have experience. And what they have experienced is that God is faithful. He will not leave us nor forsake us. Patience, experience, experience, hope. Hope. So when I get into the next trial, having experienced the last trial, here's what I can know going into the next trial that the same God who brought me through the last trial is the God who's gonna get me through the next trial. And that's hope. And man, how I need hope. And oh, how you need hope today. And hope maketh not ashamed. In other words, hope gives us confidence. Gives us confidence. We don't have to walk around wringing our fists, worried about what's, what's gonna happen, chewing off our fingernails, down in the mully grubs. We don't have to live that way. We can be confident in the promises of God. Hope maketh not ashamed. Why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. In the midst of the difficulties, here's what we can know. We can know that God loves us And we can know that God is faithful and that God is going to take care of us. So we find a man in Psalm 43 who's losing hope. And while he's losing hope, he's crying out for help. And he finds that help and he experiences a renewal of his hope. So, what lessons does he teach us? Well, first of all, we see him in the pit of despair, the pit of despair. Again, in verse number five, we hear his question that he asks himself, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? What's the problem? Why are you in despair? He asks himself. Well, if we note the entire psalm, we're going to find out why he was there. Why was he cast down? Why had he... uh, How had he... uh, sunk down to the depths of despair. Well, first of all, we see that he is distressed. He's distressed. To be distressed means to be pressed, to be squeezed in. Do you ever feel that way in this world of pressure and trial and stress? Verse one, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful, And unjust man. We find this man is living in a a hostile world. He's living in a land where his faith is under attack. He is distressed on a daily basis as he lives among the ungodly. And he is assailed by deceitful and unjust men. Well, we can relate to that, can't we? Our leaders are are totally, not in every case, but as a rule, it seems that they're morally bankrupt. Amen. We don't trust anything they tell us. Lie after lie has been proven, yet those responsible to tell the public won't tell them. Why? Because they're complicit in the agenda. Amen. Deceitful and unjust men, this world clamors for justice, but... This world knows nothing of justice. Proverbs 28 and verse 5, evil men understand not judgment. A wicked man, one who doesn't know God, can have no concept of what true justice is. And the psalmist is living in this world. And he's surrounded by this group of people. He's distressed. He teaches us how to deal with it. He commits it to God. Verse 1, judge me, O God, and plead my cause. It's as if he has nobody who will speak for him, nobody who will come to his defense. He's being lied about. He's being dealt with unfairly and unjustly. By the way, that's a really difficult place to be, isn't it? By the way, Jesus was there. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 But Peter writes and says, For even hereunto were ye called. We were called to this. Called to what? Called to living in a world where we would deal with the deceit and unjust acts of men. That's a part of your calling. He says, Even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. What did he do in the midst of his suffering? While they buffeted him, while they uh, spat upon him, while they hurled accusations against him, when they brought together false witnesses who, who, who made up Uh, deceitful stories that wouldn't even agree with one another and yet be convicted because of that. What did he do? He gave it to God. That's hard to do, isn't it? Because the natural man wants to lash out. But when he was reviled, he reviled not again. The psalmist is distressed then we see the psalmist feels as if he has been deserted. Look at verse 2. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? God, it's as if you have, you've rejected me. It's just as if you have forgotten me. I, I need somebody who will come to my defense, who will plead my cause, but it doesn't seem, it doesn't appear to me that you're around. Have you ever been there where it doesn't seem that God is near? Maybe you're there this morning. and You're wondering where God is. I want, you to, I want you to know he is right where he said he would always be. You may not feel that. But it really doesn't matter how you feel. All that matters is what he has said. And what did he say? I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. God has not forsaken us. We look at all that's going on in our world and we think, my word, how in the world has all this happened? And where is God? He's right where he said he would be. He has not forsaken us. As we grow older and our concerns about our security and our life and our finances Increase. Let me just say this to you God has not forsaken you David said I was young and now I'm old And I have not seen his seed begging bread But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory He feels as if he's been deserted By the way Jesus knew what that feeling was Did he not? Isaiah wrote about it in Isaiah 53. He is despised and rejected of men. Remember, John said he came into his own and his own received him not. To think that the creator of this world, the one who gave us life, came to us and yet was rejected by us. You're talking about an insult. You talk about an offense. Our maker was rejected by the creation that he made. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Have you had sorrow? Have you had grief? Jesus had it. Jesus had grief. And what did we do? Did we run to help him? No. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Remember his cry from the cross in Mark chapter 15. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? His disciples forsook him. His father forsook him in that moment because he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. He knows what it feels like. He relates to us. He was in the pit of despair because he was distressed. He was in the pit of despair because he felt as if he had been deserted. He's in the pit of despair because he seemed to be wandering aimlessly through the darkness. Look in verse 3. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth and let them lead me, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. What did he need? He needed light and he needed truth. What is it that we need? We need light. Where's the light? It's in Jesus. He is the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. We need to walk this year in his light. We need to walk this year in his truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you want truth, there's one source for it. It's Jesus. So let's fill our hearts and minds with truth, and our hope will be strengthened. This man is unable to find his way, and he needs light. He needs truth. He needs the fellowship and protection of God's presence. That's why he says, "Let me bring them unto thy, uh, let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles." I want to be in God's house. By the way, God's house is a good place to be in 2023. So, make it your purpose to be here with God's people and hear the truth of God's word proclaimed. Well, the psalmist also seems here in verse 5 to be depressed. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? He's not settled, he's anxious, and he has sunk down. Why art thou cast down? Down into the depths of depression And maybe you find yourself there this morning In the pit of despair Well I think it's good that we don't know exactly who wrote it And we don't know exactly all the details behind it Because it really relates to all of us There's a second lesson we learn And that is through the prayer of the distressed Though he is despairing and distressed, he can pray. And by the way, so can you. And I want you to note some things about this prayer. It's it's recorded all through these verses, but his prayer was deeply personal. It wasn't some generic prayer. It was a very personal prayer. I think sometimes... I, I, I think this is true in my own life Our prayer life begets, it gets stagnant Because it's almost rehearsed And recited There's certain things we feel like we have to say Can you imagine having a conversation With your wife that sounds exactly the same Every day Every single day You say the same thing Well Do you think God just Wants us to plug in like a You know a tape recorder, and just say the same thing day by day. Prayer is having a discourse, a discussion with God. I can talk to him. You know, the songwriter said, he walks with me and he talks with me. Those two disciples downcast on the road to Emmaus, what did they do? They talked with Jesus. I think it will help my prayer life in 2023 If I remember that prayer is an opportunity to talk to the Lord. And it's an opportunity for God to talk to me. Now, I'm the kind of person that's used to talking. And quite frankly, I talk too much. I get sick of hearing myself talk. But silence is a good thing for us. It really is. Because then we can hear God. Now, we have to set some things aside like our cell phones and our technology and our schedule. And get alone with God And this is where the psalmist finds himself He's in the pit of despair And here we find the prayer of the distressed His prayer is deeply personal Now we'll notice some things about this prayer In it, uh, Spurgeon points out in the treasury of David He speaks of my cause He he calls these the the five my's M-Y-S, the five my's My cause, my strength, my joy, my soul, and my God. He's talking about something that's deeply personal to him. And he prays to God concerning his personal needs. Now, he prayed, first of all, in verse 1, to the God who pleads. From the pit of despair, he prays to the God who pleads. Look at verse 1 Judge me, O God, and plead my cause. Come to my defense. These people are accusing me. They're lying about me. They're attacking me. I need a defender. Plead my cause. The God who pleads. I'm glad we have a a God who pleads. Do you know we have an accuser, by the way? The devil, he's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses them. Day and night he accused Job, remember, when the devil came before Job and God said, if you considered," I mean, when the devil came before the Lord and the Lord said to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan said, does Job serve you for naught? In other words, wait a minute. No wonder Job serves you. You take such good care of him. But if you'll just, you know, cause his, his business to falter, Let let some difficulty come his way. Let me tell you what Job will do. He will forsake you, but Job didn't, did he? No. You see, the devil is always accusing us, but God, our, our Savior, is pleading for us. The Bible says that Jesus is our faithful high priest who ever liveth to make intercession for us. Where is he at this moment? At the right hand of the Father, and what is he doing? He's pleading for you and for me. Oh, there's old so-and-so again, the devil says. He's tripped up again, same old problem. And there's Jesus saying, yes, but my righteousness is on his account. He belongs to the Father. He prayed to the God who delivers. Again in verse one, oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. It Doesn't matter what weapon they form against us, they will not prosper in their attacks. God will deliver his people. He prayed to the God who protects. Look in verse two. For thou art the God of my strength. That word strength carries the idea of a fortress. God protects us. He is our shelter. In verse three, he prayed to the God who leads. Verse three, he says, O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. He needed direction for his life. Do you need direction in 2023? Wandering aimlessly in the darkness, not knowing what direction to turn, look to the Lord. Obey him. So many people say, I wish I knew the will of God for my life. Look, the will of God is revealed. Now, there are certain things that are not revealed, but those things will only be revealed once you and I are willing to follow what has been revealed already in the word. So follow what God has said. He prayed to the God who leads. He prayed to the God in verse four who strengthens. Then will I go into the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. What is joy? Joy is not based on circumstances or hap. That's what happiness is based on. I might say to you, are you happy today? And you might say, no, I'm tired. I might say, are you happy today? And you say, no, no, no. We left the uh, stove on and my food got burnt or... The dog. We let the dog out and the dog won't come home and I've chased the thing all over the neighborhood and, uh, or my kids didn't get up and nobody was ready and my wife and I argued all the way to church and, and uh, by the way, these are not personal confessions and, and you might say, no, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. But you can have joy whether you're happy or not because joy is not based on circumstances. Joy is based on truth. It's based on what we know to be true, despite sometimes what the circumstances may tell us. And what does Nehemiah say about joy in Nehemiah 8.10? He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What gives me the strength to carry on day by day? It's the joy of the Lord. It's knowing that I'm his and he is mine and that nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. That's what gives me joy to go on. And so we see here the prayer of the distressed. Do you find yourself this morning in the pit of despair? Let me give you a recommendation. Pray. And do you know what happened when the psalmist prayed? He remembered God. Sometimes we live as practical atheists. We would never say that we don't believe in God, but we live almost as if he doesn't exist sometimes. Because when problems come to us, what do we start to do? Well, we start trying to develop a plan to get out of the trouble or to cope with the trouble. (laughs) And we leave God out of the equation. And then we wonder why we can't come up with the solution. He is the solution. And so as the psalmist prayed, he remembered God. And as he remembered God, his hope was Renewed. And so we find here finally the profession of the delivered. The profession of the delivered. The psalmist now has ascended the mount. He's climbed out of the pit of despair and he's arrived at the peak of deliverance. The profession of the delivered, verse 5. This is how we know he's arrived there. Why art thou cast down O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Now, as I said earlier, his circumstances haven't changed. He's still surrounded by ungodly people, deceitful and unjust men. His circumstances haven't changed. So, what has changed? Well, it's his perspective. His perspective has changed immensely. Now, we say this, we often say this, and we hear it said, and I believe it's true. Prayer changes things. In this case, prayer changed his perspective. And perspective is important because what happens is his hope is renewed, he's lifted by faith, and through this proclamation, He is lifted out of the pit of despair And placed on the peak of deliverance Notice what he says At the close of the verse For I shall yet praise him Who is the health of my countenance and my God He's changed my outlook That's what he's saying here He's helped me in my attitude Sometimes we hear coaches say things like Attitude is everything And attitude certainly is is Significantly important His attitude has changed. His hope has been renewed. Now, what has he hoped in? What has been the source of his hope? Well, his hope is in the presence of God, in the presence of God. Now, formerly, he was in the pit of despair, and while he was in the pit, he felt forsaken and forgotten and cast off by God, rejected all alone. But yet the truth that he knew in his heart, he acted upon when he cried out unto the Lord. Again, this morning, you you may find yourself there. And you may feel as if God is nowhere near, but let me tell you, he is near. He's as near as your prayer. So speak to him. And the psalmist did. And God heard him. In the book of Jeremiah, we read these words, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. God hears our prayers. As faint as they may be, as filled with doubt sometimes as they could be, God hears our prayers. So let's pray. How am I going to have my hope renewed in 2023? Well, I better learn to pray. Pray. I better learn to have a conversation with God. He hoped in the presence of God that God was watching, that God could see, that God was available and he's available to you. He hoped secondly in the power of God. What did he need? He needed strength. Strength to endure the battles of life. He needed protection from the oppressors of this world. And where did he find it? In the presence of God. At the altar of God. In the tabernacle of God. He hoped in the power of God that God could protect him. That God could change him. That God could change things. That God would give him the patience and the strength to endure. And some of you this morning, that's what you need. You need the hope and strength for another day. And tomorrow you'll need it again. And there's only one source for it. It's in Jesus. Well, he hoped in the presence of God. He hoped in the power of God. And then he hoped in the promises of God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. He said, right now I'm having a hard time but I'm gonna praise him. He's gonna bring me through this. Hebrews chapter 6. We'll close here. Would you turn there with me? Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13. The writer of the Hebrews is teaching us a lesson here concerning hope. And hope is built and based upon the promises of God. Now, oftentimes people make promises. They may be well-intended. They make promises and, and are unable to perform them. God's promises will always be fulfilled. He cannot break a promise. He has the ability to perform everything he promises that he will perform. And his character and his nature requires that he does what he says. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13, For when God made promise to Abram, Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless thee and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so after he had, that's Abraham, patiently endured, he obtained the promise. 25 years after God told him, go to a land, you and Sarah go to the land of Canaan, I'm gonna give you a son. He was 75, she was 65. 25 years later, when all physical hope that they could have a child was long gone, God stepped in. You know, God specializes in those things. God specializes in doing the impossible. That's why the question came, is anything too hard for the Lord? The answer is no. And so he says in verse 16, "And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise, and when the promise came, he knew he knew who had performed it. There was no doubt it was God. Verse 16, "For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them uh, an end of all strife, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel. Confirmed by an oath. His counsel is immutable. It is unchangeable. It is is unalterable. It is something that will be performed. Nothing else can stop it. That's what the promise of God is. It's immutable. Verse 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie... We might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul. Man, we need that today, don't we? We're living in a storm-tossed sea of a world, and the winds and the waves carry us in every direction. We need an anchor that will hold us to the truth of God. And the stability of God. We have an anchor of the soul. Both sure and steadfast. In which entereth into that. Within the veil. whither the forerunner is for, is for us entered. The veil. The holy place. The place of intercession. The place of redemption. Even Jesus. Made an high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek. These are the promises of Jesus. And he won't break one of them. So how'd he get from the pit to the peak? Because he prayed. And because he professed his hope in God. A hope that was established and built upon God's presence. That God was there, that God could hear, and that God was acting on his behalf. A hope that was established on God's power that he had the ability and the strength to change the circumstances and the perspective and a hope that was built upon God's promises that what he said he would do, he would do. And we can trust God in 2023. We can put our hope in him. So we listen to the words of the psalmist again in verse number five. And maybe we make them our very own this morning. Why art thou cast down O my soul and why art thou disquieted within me hope in god thank you for listening we pray that god has used his word to speak to you today if you'd like to learn more about tabernacle you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com there you'll find additional information about our church opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you and thank you once again for listening.